Welcome to Richard Ellis Talks with Richard Ellis. Richard's going to take the next few minutes to share some great words of hope, insight, humor, and relevance. In today's lost and searching world, that's something everyone desperately needs to hear. Speaking of that, we'd love to keep this conversation going with you anytime through our website, richardellistalks.com. In fact, there's so many ways to connect with us from there that you really need to check it out for yourself, richardellistalks.com. But right now, let's go ahead and get things off and running with today's talk. Here's Richard Ellis. The title of today's message is Gee Thanks. So what do you do when you ask for something and the answer is no. And you read all the scriptures, and the scriptures say, if you ask according to his will, and you say, well, but I thought it was his will, and you get no. And you hear this, maybe you heard this a bunch, maybe you never heard this, God always answers prayer, and it's yes, no, or what? Wait. And that sounds hopeful because you say, well, maybe it'll be a yes, and maybe it's not really a no, it's just a wait, and it's coming. But what if the answer really is just no, and that's your answer? Then what do you do? You say, well, I'm okay hanging on. I'm okay waiting for what I really want to happen, and I'll keep praying because it's still going to happen because I think God meant wait, not no. And then you realize before long, and maybe after a long time, the answer really was no. We've prayed for sick people, and the answer turned out to be no because they're dead and in the ground. So it's not wait. You say, well, but it is wait, and we'll see him in heaven. I'm talking about answering the specific prayer that they wouldn't die physically on this side, and they're gone. Or someone to be healed of something. You say, well, but there's still hope, they're still alive. But what if you keep going and you keep praying, and as it turns out, the prayer really turned out to be no. Go to Matthew chapter 26. It is very fascinating, as we read this story, you'll see this, that even in Jesus' life, You say, well, he always got a yes. Jesus did not always get a yes. And sometimes he gets a no so that we get a yes. Now look at Matthew 26. The context here is they've had the Lord's Supper, the Last Supper, and they've gone out in verse 36. Jump in there with me, Matthew 26, 36. Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to the disciples, sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death, stay here and watch with me. And you say, well, but he's God, he doesn't need anybody. Jesus demonstrated that even God in the flesh needed people, chose to need people, and wanted them there with him. And he is completely overwhelmed, so overwhelmed, that it's exceedingly sorrowful. You say, well, I thought he was going to die on the cross. He does in a matter of hours. But he's saying, I am so overwhelmed, I could die in this garden. So stay with me and watch with me. He went a little further, fell on his face, so he is by himself at this point. And he prayed, saying, oh, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. So he's asking what? Let this cup pass. If it's possible, but not my will, your will. Okay, what do you think the answer was? He's been talking to his father for millennia. I mean, they're family. They're all God. And he's been walking with God since the day he was, you know, since birth. I mean, he's God. He's not sinned. He's in complete connection and listening to the father. And he literally says, I don't do anything. I don't see the father do. But he's asking, what do you think the answer was when he asked the first time? 
Was it silence or was it no? Now, this is very interesting to me because if Jesus himself goes to the Father and says, if there's any way for this cup to pass from me, not my will, your will be done, and you think, okay, well, did he not get an answer? Why is he going to do what he's about? you'll see he's about to do? Keep reading. Then he came to the disciples, found them sleeping, and said to Peter, what, could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Can I get a witness on that statement alone? The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. This is going to be one of the greatest things about getting to heaven for me. Other than seeing Jesus is no more weak flesh. Strong spirit, no flesh, we're home. Because this battle, this seemingly endless battle, even if you get one thing figured out, then your flesh surfaces and goes, hey, what about me? You didn't know about me. Some new category. So now he's trying to encourage Peter saying, look, this is intense. And if I'm getting hit, you're going to get hit. The spirit indeed is willing, the flesh is weak. Again, a second time he went away and prayed saying, oh, my father, if this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it, your will be done. So if this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it, your will be done. So if there's no way around this, then your will be done. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went again and prayed the third time. How many times does it take before you realize the answer is no? Prayed the third time, saying the same words. Then he came to his disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. And while he was still speaking, behold, Judas, one of the twelve, with a great multitude with swords and clubs, came from the chief priests and elders of the people, and it's game on. So, was his prayer answered? Okay? Yes, it was. You say, but this is Jesus. It seems like if he went and said, hey, if there's a way to get around this, you know, let's do that. But not my will, your will be done. Make sure you add that phrase to all your prayers. Because this is where we get screwed up. We go with some request and say, okay, God, I need you to do this. But we really don't want his will to be done. We want our will to be done, and we're just praying that his will is our will, and this is all going to work out nice. And sometimes that's not how it works out. And I don't want to show hands on this, but I promise you I could go seat by seat. And I know some specific stuff. And you say, well, it hadn't happened yet. And I'm telling you, this is not lack of faith, so please don't misunderstand this. You say, but I'm holding on, I'm persevering, I am trusting God to do this. It may take until the day you die to discover that the answer was no, and sometimes what God is trying to do in your life is say, look, the answer is no, it doesn't mean later I couldn't change it and something happened, but you've got to deal with the no so we can go, so that I can process you where you are and show you, and I'll show you how this works in just a second, specifically on physical stuff, anybody's physical stuff, you say, well, I don't like the answer. You don't get to decide what the answer is. I don't get to pick. I get to ask. But in Jesus' case, clearly the answer was no, the cup cannot pass. Game on, you're up, drink the cup, here we go. Go to Luke chapter 23. And it's just so interesting to me, even a pagan ruler makes a run and it's fascinating to me the numbers in the Bible, the way things happen. 
Luke 23, verse 1. Then the whole multitude of them rose and led him to Pilate. So now this is later in the story. Jesus has been arrested. They're taking him to Pilate. And they began to accuse him, saying, We found this fellow perverting the nation and forbidding to pay taxes to Caesar, saying that he himself is Christ, a king. Well, that's true. Then Pilate asked him, saying, Are you the king of the Jews? He answered and said to him, It is as you say. So Pilate said to the chief priest in the crowd, I find no fault in this man. Like, I don't have any issue with him. If he's making up all this stuff, you know, he asked him a question, are you the king of the Jews? He says, it's as you say. Well, he claims to be that, so I got no fault with him. But they were the more fierce, saying, he stirs up the people, teaching throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee to this place. When Pilate heard of Galilee, he asked if the man were Galilean, and as soon as he knew that he belonged to Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him to Herod, who was also in Jerusalem at that time. Now when Herod saw Jesus, he was exceedingly glad, for he had desired for a long time to see him, because he had heard many things about him, and he hoped to see some miracle done by him. Well, maybe he'll do a trick for me. Some miracle. I heard he does water to wine. Love to taste his wine. Whatever he could come up with. Then he questioned him with many words, but he answered him nothing. And the chief priests and scribes stood and vehemently accused him. Then Herod, with his men of war, treated him with contempt and mocked him, arrayed him with a gorgeous robe, and sent him back to Pilate. That very day, Pilate and Herod became friends with each other, for previously they had been at enmity with each other. Then Pilate, when he had called together the chief priests, the rulers and the people, said to them, You have brought this man to me as one who misleads the people, and indeed having examined him in your presence, Second time, I find no fault in this man concerning those things which you accuse him. No, neither do Herod, for I sent you back to him, and indeed nothing deserving of death has been done by him. I will therefore chastise him and release him, for it was necessary for him to release one of them at the feast. And they all cried out at once, saying, Away with this man, and release to us Barabbas, who had been thrown into prison for a certain rebellion made in the city and for murder." Pilate, therefore, wishing to release Jesus, again called out to them, but they shouted, saying, Crucify him, crucify him. Then he said to them the third time, Why, what evil has he done? I have found no reason for death in him. I will therefore chastise him and let him go. So three times, Pilate is basically saying, asking, I want to let this guy go. And you say, well, he has the power to let him go. Why doesn't he let him go? Because the answer is no, even here. And Pilate, the pagan ruler, is trying to get him released. You say, well, how could the answer be no? He's in control. Why didn't he do something different? Because God is in control more than a Pilate is in control, we saw recently. And God could use even a mob to get his will done. And part of his will clearly was for this cup not to pass. For Pilate's triple request, I find no fault, let him go, didn't get answered. And now here Jesus is in this mess. But they were insistent, demanding with loud voices that he be crucified, and the voices of these men and of the chief priests prevailed. So Pilate gave sentence that it should be as they requested, and he released them to them, the one they requested, who for rebellion and murder had been thrown into prison, but he delivered Jesus to their will. Now, as you've figured out by now, this is not the most encouraging message you've ever heard. You see, I want to hear a good story. I want to hear that things are going to be great. I want a yes. I want a maybe. I don't want to know. I'm not interested in your sermon about no. But here's your challenge. Whether we like it or not, sometimes that is the answer. And if you don't figure out how to live with a no, you're not going to live. Because you don't always get a yes or a wait. Sometimes you get a no and that's it. 
And that's where the world, honestly, you say, well, I prayed to God and asked him to do this amazing thing and he came through and you share that and praise the Lord and everybody rejoices with you. And you go, wow, I want to be that kind of Christian. We always get a yes. But people know that the answer is not always yes, even in their own lives. Things don't go well always. And the trouble and seemingly the trick is, how do I continue to live when I don't get my way and I don't even get what I think is God's way? I thought this was going to turn out to be his will. And it turns out it's not. And he said no. And that's it. So you're either going to pout till you die and mope and moan and stumble around and my life sucks and, you know, this is not fair and whatever. Or are you going to go, okay, that's the answer. I got to deal with it and move forward and find joy and find thanks even when I don't like the answer and reveal that I trust him. All right, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 12, last few verses here. Now, you're going to love this passage. If you know it, you're going to figure out pretty quick what it is. You're going to love it if you are okay with his will being his will. But if you're not, this isn't going to help you either. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. This is Paul writing. He says, It is doubtless not profitable for me to boast. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in body I do not know or whether out of the body I do not know, God knows such a one was caught up to the third heaven. And I know such a man, whether in the body or out of the body I do not know, God knows how he was caught up into the paradise and heard inexpressible words, which it is not lawful for a man to utter. Of such a one I will boast, yet of myself I will not boast except in my infirmities. For though I might desire to boast, I will not be a fool, for I will speak the truth, but I refrain lest anyone should think of me above what he sees me to be or hears from me. So you say, well, what in the world was all that? Paul is experiencing, literally, he's trying to describe, is it an out-of-body experience? Paul is seeing things and things are happening to him and through him that are extremely extraordinary. And so you go, well, wow, how could you not get a big head and be all boasting the word he uses here? Now, there's something going on. I'm somebody. God has regulators even for that. Now, look at what happens. Verse 7, and lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations. So just to be sure I didn't get out of hand and I didn't start going, wow, I am really somebody. What happens? A thorn in the flesh was given to me. And thank God he did not define the thorn. We have no idea exactly what his thorn in the flesh was. It is some physical thing like a thorn that presses on you, is painful, and you go, I gotta, if you have a thorn in the flesh, you want to remove the thorn because it is painful. So this is what God allows, and it gets worse. A thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me. So now not only is he having all these revelations, but in order to put him in check, he is given a thorn in the flesh, and the thorn in the flesh is specifically a messenger of Satan himself sent and allowed to buffet, come up against Paul. You go, what is God doing? This doesn't even sound biblical. It doesn't even sound right. What does he do? The purpose of it is, lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. So three times, Lord, I got a thorn in the flesh. What is going on? I know I've gotten all this stuff happening to me, and maybe there's a reason for this, and maybe you've allowed this, but I'm asking you to remove this from my life. In Jesus' name. Pull that. In Jesus' name. 
Let me give you some really bad news. Sometimes in Jesus' name, get you a no. <laughs> yeah, but I got a name above every name. Use it. You may still get a no. Well, I'm going to try again. In Jesus' name. <laughs> in Jesus' name. I'm going to be loud. Maybe if I get louder, it'll work. Right? I've seen people do that. I hate to tell you, but the volume of your prayer is not tied to the effectiveness of your prayer. <laughs> and if you smack somebody in the head, that's not going to make it any better. It's good for TV, just it's not required. Okay, so what does he do? Remove the thorn. It's not removed. Remove the thorn. Thorn goes nowhere. Remove the thorn. Goes nowhere. Now this is Paul with Jesus. He's had a personal encounter on the road to Damascus. I mean, these guys are not strangers. And yet Paul goes back three times trying to get a yes, okay, I'll remove the thorn. And look what unfolds. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me, and he said to me, no. You say, well, that's not what he said. Effectively, that's what he said. No, it's not going anywhere, and here's the reason why. My grace is sufficient for you. You don't need the thorn removed. All you need is my grace. There's my answer. And then he goes on. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Not the answer he's looking for. Because what does that mean? Ask three times, you get no. Then you're told, my grace is sufficient. My strength is made perfect in weakness. So I'm going to allow some weakness, some thorn in your life, because that's where my strength is made perfect. Not the answer we're looking for. That means Paul, till the day he died, had a thorn in the flesh as far as we know. How do you live with that? Here's how you live with it. Look what he said. Therefore, okay, if that's the answer and this is how this works, therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities then. I'm not going to boast in the revelations that I'm getting. I'm going to be excited and boasting in the infirmities. Why? That the power of Christ may rest upon me. So here's how this works. You say, well, so if I were given the option for the thorn to be removed and have less power or the thorn to stay and have more power, what would you pick? If you're selfish, like me, I think I'll go with door number one. Let's remove the thorn and let's just do the best we can without it and I'm good. But Paul goes, okay, wait, this is the trade-off. I keep the thorn, messenger of Satan, maybe indefinitely till the day I die. And if I am okay with that and trust him and thank him and praise him, then when I am weak, he's going to be strong. I'll boast in that instead. You say, well, this isn't going to be very fun. Let me tell you something. I don't even think the word fun is in the Bible. <laughs> I'm not having fun anymore. But what if you have the power of God on you? It's back to that little phrase, not my will, your will be done. And as it turns out, if you look back through history, some of the greatest souls that ever served, ever lived, were people, if you asked them some questions, are there any thorns? They'd go, oh yeah, there's some thorns. Did you pray that they'd be removed? Who wouldn't want them removed, by the way? There's nothing sinful in asking God to remove the thorn. But when he comes back and says, look, no, my grace is sufficient. Are you going to be okay with that? And you say, okay, God, I will glory in my infirmity because when I am weak, that means you're strong. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, and you thought he was done? Therefore, I take pleasure 
in infirmities. Now it's turning in some kind of spiritual masochism. Oh, now I have pleasure in pain. So if this is what releases the power, if this is what releases the strength, when I'm weak, then he's strong, then not only am I going to boast in my infirmities, I'll take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So you go, well, I got all this terrible stuff happening to me. Thank him anyway. And sooner it goes from, gee, thanks, God, to Jesus, thanks. Thank you. Because I do have these challenges. I do have these weaknesses. And I see now that when I am weak, you manifest strong. That's what I need more than anything. So I'd be better off with the infirmity, the persecutions, the distress, all this stuff for his sake. Because I see now in my life that when I am weak, you're strong, and that's what I need. And that's what I need the world to see. The longer I live and the more time I spend with people, I don't meet many people who don't have troubles. Rose bushes always seem to have more thorns than they do roses. The ratio is ridiculous. He said, but I'm just interested in the rose. Hard to get a rose without getting around the thorns. Lots of thorns in the world. And you say, but Richard, I don't want this in my life anymore. I want this gone. I can't do this anymore. Okay, so pray. But I'm telling you, I got some good precedent here on running it by him about three times. You say, well, I'm going to keep trying. Here's what I would do before I would ask him about specific things. I would have a little conversation with him and say, how is my relationship with you doing? Let's start there. And if I asked you a question and you actually told me what the answer was, would I be okay with that and say, okay, not my will, your will be done, and then we move forward? So am I walking and talking with you? Is that good enough that even if you did answer my prayer, I'd go, oh, so it's a no. You go, yeah, it's a no. Okay, I'm good with that. You're strong. I'm weak. Let's do that. Now, I can also take you to scriptures and beating the door down, right? You say, what about those verses? Keep knocking, keep knocking, keep seeking. You keep doing all that until he answers the door and says, no. And then if he closes the door, you say, well, but if God closes the door, then he opens a window. How many Christians are breaking into houses, you know, through the window? Ah, he closed the door on me, but there's other ways in. At some point, you got to stop already. I'm getting in this house. I don't care if God says no. And we can go around this room, and that is exactly what we have done in areas of our lives. And it didn't turn out well. It's not well. Because you had to have what you wanted, and now you got it. And now you don't know what to do with it. Before Richard comes back to wrap things up for us today, I'd like to share a couple important things with you. Let me encourage you to take a minute and check out our website, richardellistalks.com. You'll find today's talk right there in the talks page, along with all of Richard's messages. You can even forward them to a friend so they can hear them too. You'll also find the prayer wall to add your prayer requests, a link to connect with us, the contribute page for you to be able to give to this ministry, a radio station finder, all our social media links, and much more. So check it out richardellistalks.com and Richard's back now to wrap up today's talk I got an email the other day from a woman somewhere far from here in a place in the country she had been by herself for like 40 something years and a man that she knew in elementary school or something and had a crush on whatever somehow they got Facebooked in the face or something you know and 
So she gets all, you know, this is going to be great. And he sees her and they go spend some time. And she's not 100%, but she marries him. And it turns out he's sick and she doesn't know that. And this email, if you read it, is replete with he has bad hygiene. I'm, I mean, she's sharing the most personal things. She could have avoided a mountain of problems if she had stopped before she jumped and just said, Jesus, is this what you want for me? Now, if you get a yes, then some guy becomes a thorn in your flesh, maybe. <laughs> and I do not want to show hands on that. But then you can proceed because you didn't get yourself into it. You know God said to do it. You have to get to a place where you hear a yes, you hear a no, you hear a maybe, and know the difference and can live your life. You say, well, I don't know how to do that. Then get with somebody. That's why we're so huge on discipleship around here. Someone that can teach you to pray, teach you to read the scriptures, teach you to walk with God, and talk out some of these things where you're kicking the door in, trying to break into a house you're not supposed to get into. And the answer is no. And you've got to be able to move forward and trust him and be okay with that. Or the answer is no and have a thorn while we're at it and be okay with that. What's that old song? We'll understand it better by and by. But it takes a lot of faith between now and the by and by to hang in there sometimes. You've been listening to Richard Ellis Talks. We really appreciate that you've spent this time with us, but we want to keep the conversation going with you. A couple of ways you can connect with us is by giving us a call anytime at 855-6-RICHARD. That's 855-6-RICHARD. Another way is through our website, richardellistalks.com. You can email us, sign up to get the daily talk sent to your phone each day, write on the prayer wall where we can pray for you, or even stay in touch through our Facebook page at Talk with Richard. We love bringing you the program every day, but it means even more to us when you let us know how the program has helped you. So call 855-6-RICHARD or connect with us at our website, richardellistalks.com. Finally, if you enjoy the program, let us know by your generous support. It would really mean a lot to us. richardellistalks.com. So until next time, have a great day and thank you for listening to Richard Ellis Talks.